0: I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings Dude, that's pretty oh, cool just yeah, that is a sad that, that is a sad, sad. clown <laughs>
1: Dude, that's pretty good <laughs> This is the clue Bringing you weekly interviews with F3 Omaha Pack, exploring their F3 experiences and finding those sticky elements that create the glue in the gloom. All right, uh, here we are. This is the the Monday of our uh, F3 Omaha five year anniversary, and we've got a really special. Uh, guest with us and uh, have a conversation, uh, hopefully just to uh, share some insights about the history of our region, but also uh, just to share some insights from a, a really smart and uh, wise uh, man. Uh, he actually turned 50 in, you know, in the course of the F3 Omaha uh, reign or region here. So wait time, man, we're really glad to have a chance to talk with you. And um, man, it's the five-year anniversary week. What? Uh, tell us some of the things you're excited about for this week.
0: It's just, you know, it's really fun to celebrate this.
1: We um, we do
0: a lot of ridiculous things in the gloom and I think always look for opportunities to have fun and celebrate. And uh, Anniversary re- Week is when we really kind of turn up the volume on our, our desire to get together and celebrate. And, you know, F3 is all about the fellowship of what we do um, in the gloom and outside of the gloom. And I think, if there's one part of this week that I look m- most forward to, it's all the things that we do from a second F standpoint of how we get together and really strengthen the glue that holds
2: all the packs together. Yeah. And you got to, I mean, bringing it here, I'm sure, you know, we're, we're eclipsing year five. Uh, I'm sure there was some part like, God, I hope this even makes it year one that we yeah. even have an anniversary.
0: Yeah, clearly there was Tony. I mean, we, um, I found out around Christmas of 2017. So, um, you know, F3 Nation at that time was doing what they called leap expansion where uh, they would go out into a region of the country and really help and support um, bringing that region up. And at that time, you know, there was really no place close to Omaha that had F3. And they also clearly didn't know their geography very well because they wanted us to launch in February. And I was like, there's just no way that we can start a new region in this climate in February. And I pushed back on a little bit. I said, I just think it would be a little bit wiser for us to start in April. Uh, Hopefully there won't be snow then. And it actually did snow the weekend before launch in 2018. So I was sweating it. Um, even up to seven days before launch. And, and you're right. Uh, probably my biggest concern that first year was, man, can we make it through this winter? And, and that first winter, 2018 into 2019, was by far the most brutal winter we've had in five years. Um, you know, if you guys remember that at all, I think we had snow on the ground from Christmas
1: to March, and it was just brutally cold that winter too. Was it really colder or do you think, have we gotten tougher? I can never answer that. I don't know. That's a fair
0: question. I think maybe we've gotten tougher, um, for sure. But it really was the most snow we've had. I mean, that was, that was the spring that it flooded so badly um, because the snow just started piling up at Christmas and never went away. I can remember being able to, you know, reach up and grab the pull-up bars on the Murph by the end of the winter. Because the snow had just progressively got deeper, um, and um, but we we survived it. You know, we spent a lot more time in parking garages back in those days than we do now. To your point, Clegg. I think we've gotten tougher around it, but we we learned to cope with it. That's for sure.
1: You know, um, just looking at so I'm a numbers guy, right? But and and you've always done a great job of helping us to to track or keep track of some of the numbers. Um, but at least from what I can tell, uh, we had initially 2018, we had eight AOs, 137 active packs. And and here we are, you know, about 58 AOs, if you count uh, Murph Smurf sites as two, uh, and like 1,820 some packs. I mean, uh, can I get your business model so I can apply that to, I mean, how, how I mean, Man, like what do you think uh, caused that sort of growth, or how did how did we do that? I don't know. It's just crazy to think about. Um, would be yeah. curious your thoughts.
0: Well, you know, first of all, it's the worst pyramid scheme of all time. i mean there's there's no money in this, um, but we do get a lot of value other ways. You know it's certainly not about making money, but my life has been enriched a thousand times over. Uh, by watching men accelerate and change their lives. And my life has been changed certainly by it all. Um, I just think it's a desire to to have other men experience what each of us have experienced in our lives. And we've all changed in some way or form. Some people physically, you know, losing weight. Some people more um, internally, you know, how they, they develop spiritually and mentally and emotionally um and when you have that transformation you hope that you can give it away and we've had a lot of very generous guys who want to give it away and and that's what's really i think caused us to get to the 50, the 50 a who's in 1800
2: packs well and I, I do want to you know as someone who you know, previously previously was at a different location, right? On the East Coast where you saw some huge expansion there and then you come and start the AO here. And if you go and you go post downrange somewhere, um, like the Kansas City or another location that hasn't seen the growth yet that that we have seen, what do you you think it is here in Omaha that what's the special sauce? What is it that has helped contribute to the growth that we've seen?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, I would just, I always want to credit Greensboro um, because we learned so much from Greensboro. Everything we do is patterned after Greensboro, which is also another region that grew fast and, and has sustained and and made a tremendous impact um, uh, uh, in and around Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I really think that a lot of it is around the fellowship, you know, what makes us different. It's, it's what we do collectively together, and the relationships and bonds that we make are different. You know, not every region does cafeteria the way we do it. Um, not every region um, I think welcomes PACs the way we do. I mean, that's something that I think I really am proud of in terms of what I see happen in the gloom and how all of our PACs see a new guy and they welcome him with open arms and. And, and do it in such a way that um, uh, makes, when you walk into the dark with a bunch of strangers that have funny nicknames that you don't feel quite as awkward, um, you guys should w- look it up today on Twitter, I posted the first name Arama and how some guys got their names and man, it is awkward. <laughs> like, there, I think there were guys thinking, what have I got myself into? And but slowly over time, you know, we just got more comfortable with one another um, because of the amount of time that we spend together in the gloom and outside of the gloom. And so I, I just feel like it's a second S thing, Tony, that, that really makes us different than a lot of other regions.
1: You know, something I, I like to do is kind of go back and look at um, COTs uh, that guys have done. And uh, so what I notice about your COTs that I really love is I see maybe a pattern of, um, at least in some of the ones I found, but like 2018, the Nantan uh, handoff in 2020, and then one recently in, in February this year is you do a really good job of just re-emphasizing kind of the purpose of what we're doing. So one, you know, one example was just the COT should be a place where guys can be vulnerable. Another one you, you shared really just, um, you know, guys could put their hearts out there. And then also just talking about coach wooden and, and kind of this idea of sharing the you know mission and principles and uh, but how how important i mean you talked about the second f but um how important do you think the cot and kind of the evolution of that has been in our region for for the growth because i have a feeling there's a lot of guys that show up and that cot is what blows them away as far as men interacting together i don't know, any thoughts there yeah for sure i mean um
0: yeah our cots are often different than what you see downrange you know um in my experience anyway. And I, I go back to um, really the fall of 2018 uh, and we had some high impact men who stepped into the circle of trust and who were really vulnerable. Um, and I credit Placebo, uh, who was one of our Redwoods and I credit Folsom. You know, Folsom delivered a really powerful COT at um, the woodshed that fall. And, um, and he, you know, somebody said, um, courage calls to courage everywhere. Um, I can't remember the name of the person who, who is a female from England who made that quote, but, um, I love the quote. And I think COTs are a place of courage, you know, courage calls to courage everywhere. When you see one guy step in and be courageous and be vulnerable, it it calls, it calls to others to do the same. And as much as I like somebody who reads some really smart excerpt from a book or, you know, brings wisdom from someplace else, the COTs I remember the most are the ones that come from a guy's heart. And they're talking from their heart, and they're talking sometimes from a place of, of brokenness that they're trying to figure out. And... You know, what inevitably happens when you come into the circle of trust and you think you're alone, you never likely get to your car without realizing that somebody else there is either currently struggling with the same thing or has before. And, man, you know, when you have that experience, it's like reading somebody's diary and it's just like your own. Like, you know, you're like oh my gosh, I wrote this in my diary. I thought I was alone in this. And then I read this and it's like, no, there's other people that that, that are just like me. And that is powerful. And, and I think, yeah, you're right. COTs are important and, and particularly the ones where, where guys get courageous and, and vulnerable.
1: It was uh, just, just for the, sorry, just real quick. It was Jeanette Winterson uh, was the- uh, yeah. <laughs> the the famous uh british <laughs> activist there so thanks for sharing that i love that Cur- courage calls to courage everywhere great quote
2: yeah i guess i mean my follow up there would wait time is how do you encourage that how do you encourage the guys to do that um you know i remember my first cot i memorized every single bit of it and rehearsed it because i wanted to impress you guys with what i was saying and then as you as you kind of go through it, you're like, "Oh well, I didn't even prepare anything. I'm just going to talk to you guys about what I'm feeling that day i mean it It took me months of posting and queuing before I was even ready to get there. so how do you I know we're doing a good job of facilitating that environment, but how do you encourage the guys to kind of jump in um, kind of off the bat? uh
0: you take the first step i think is is the answer to that it's It's you know I mean my I remember the COT I had to deliver um, three months into F3 starting in 2018 when I'd lost my job at the med center. And I absolutely dreaded that COT. I did not want to deliver that COT. And a number of guys that were in F3 were all associated with the med center, they all knew it. But for me to have to, to speak it out loud in a COT, like, I was, was dreading that, that moment. And yet, people embraced me and, and put their arms around me. And, you know, lo and behold, in five years, I'm going through it a second time. And it's no easier this time than it was the first time. But, but um, you know, when you do that, it allows other guys to wrap their arms around you and, um, uh, really, I think, support you through a moment of learning about humility and, and a need to, to, to gain support from others. So I, I think it's about starting. You know, like if you do a Pony, you'll encourage others to do it. It's not really something that you can go out and tell someone to do unless you demonstrate it first. That, that's my take on it.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. And especially because um, you did the same for me, you know, and I'm sure you've done the same for many other guys, but I think, I think it's, you know, each guy has to get to a place where they're willing to share what they're going through. And then uh, when they do, we got to meet them, meet them with love, um, which is, which I think is the culture we've, we've created for sure. Uh, wait time. I, you know, we've got a lot of guys this week. We're we're really trying to get guys engaged in reading uh, free to lead, um, you know, so just, if you want to get your thoughts you know on just that, that book as a whole? I don't know if you remember maybe the first time you you read it, maybe the pieces that uh, that you identified with or some of the things that you would hope uh, somebody reading it for the first time would really pay attention to
0: Yeah, yeah I, I mean I, I just think first of all, you know f three like any good cult, has its own language, and uh, you know we laugh, but there's some truth to that and when you're an F&G and you've come in and spent even a few months with us, um, you may wonder, like, why do we use this language we use? Where does it come from? And I think Free to Lead 1 begins to kind of give you a little bit of the backstory of, of, of how, you know, how we were founded, why we exist, where this language comes from. Um, but when you read it, I think it, it really speaks to kind of this universal condition that men have, where there is just something missing in their life. And, you know, we all go through it. Um, At some point, it happens at different, I think, points in in different men's lives. But usually by your 30s, you know, you're at a place where you're not really sure what it is, uh, but something's missing. You know, the, the, the book talks about, I think, on like the very first page about packing for a trip and you know, you've forgotten something, but you don't know what it is. That's kind of what this thing feels like. And then once you have it, and once you're amongst a community of other high impact men, you know, you just realize like, wow, where was this? You know, there's so many F I was at cafeteria this morning and I was sitting with one of our guys and, you know, they were, they were really kind of, uh, wringing their hands because, you know, somebody had spent four months trying to EH them and they resisted for four months. I'm like, you know, now I wished I would have started when I was first asked, you know, to do it. And you guys have heard those stories from other guys before. It's like um, once you, you, you realize it and you're here, it's like, Oh, wow. Well,
1: where's this been my whole life? What um, I, I love that. And I, you know, it, it's funny, right? Cause there's, Clearly, there's a higher power out there that's kind of getting everybody's heart in the right space, right? I, I feel like we've all had those guys where you've, you have you VH them, VH them, then you stop talking about it, and then they they reach out, right? And they're all of a sudden they're ready, uh, and you know by no no uh, work of our doing, right? Um, curious your thoughts. You know, there there are some terms that maybe we use more frequently than others, and you know, so this idea of of like a sad clown. Um, mm-hmm. you know curious just your you know how do you how do you see that or how, how has that evolved for you over time because I guess to clarify my question one of the things that has at least been untrue for me is like sad clown syndrome is is like something I'm aware of in myself but it's not something that I've, I've been able to completely get a get rid of per se right there are still uh, some bad days where sad clown plague uh, comes out but what's been your experience with sad clown syndrome
0: yeah I mean you're right first and foremost, is it never goes away. You know, it's, it's something that you can control and manage. And, you know, if you're, if you're not actively thinking about it and, and living your life in such a way, it can certainly creep back. And, and it happens. We see it happen. We see it happen to ourselves. Um, I just think it's, you know, there's a certain tendency for men to just kind of numb their emotions. And we, so we do it different ways, you know? We, we do it um, by sometimes spending too much time in our jobs. Uh, we do it with alcohol and drugs. We do it with talking about th- meaningless things like, you know, how, how college football is going, you know? And whatever we can do to not talk about how we feel. And, you know, somebody said Southern man is one who doesn't talk to their emo- about their emotions until they've had about three drinks. And I think there's a lot of truth to all men, not just Southern men, about that is, is that, you know, we're just not very good at that. And there's a lot of institutions and organizations that have tried to help men help themselves. Um, but I just think F3 has uncovered something around you know, as we talk about, uh, the first F is, is really um, what draws people in. It's the magnet. The second F is the, cu- the glue, and the third F is the dynamite. If, if you, in, you know, there's a purpose to the order, you know. Um, if you start with the, the third F and the faith aspect, you know, guys will just, they won't stick around for that. But if if you first had the glue in the fellowship that wants guys to just keep coming back, they're going to get to a place where they're going to be seeking out the third F in space. Um, because it's just kind of the natural growth transition that that we all seek to, you know, we all seem to pursue.
2: Well, and maybe we back up a little bit here and, and just your opinion, is not an official diagnosis, but you know, you're talking about this this issue of men not being vulnerable, right? Or they're not feeling like they're free to share their emotion or they think it's, it's a better way of living to kind of keep that reserved and keep that private. What do you think it is like that creates that? And maybe you can speak from personal experience or, or your own prognosis here on, on what you think the underlying problem is.
0: Hmm. And that's a really good question, boy. If, I mean, if you can really get at that, you, you're, you're gonna do something. Um, you know, some of it is just comfort. You know, like we all want to be comfortable and um, you know, the old Pink Floyd song, Comfortably Numb. There's something about just the desire for kind of staying in this zone, this comfort zone that we all want to control. And um, there's this scary fear or belief that, man, if I talk about this, if I reveal this fear, this whatever this is to somebody else, it's gonna be really uncomfortable. I just said it a few minutes ago when I lost my job. I didn't wanna go into the circle of trust because it was really uncomfortable to talk about it in front of my peers and to get emotional about it. And, um, and so I think it's, it's all you know, our desires to kind of stay in that very nice little cocoon of comfort um, that, that drives men to just isolate themselves and become a sad clown. You know, if, if you haven't read the book, the sad clown is to the Sopranos and Tony Soprano sitting on the couch of his therapist and saying, "You know, I, I paint this clown face on, it makes me look like I'm smiling and happy on the outside, but inside I'm, I'm crying and I'm very emotional. And, and a lot of men spend a lot of time putting that mask on.
1: Yeah, what I, yeah. what i love to about the F three sort of model, right, is is in order to help that guy and to help each other, right? Because we we are all that guy, but in order to help each other, that's where the the proximity comes in, right? And then I think for men in particular, what I've learned is is there just is something about doing something difficult next to another guy that helps to, you know, tear some of those walls down. And it, it takes longer for different guys, but I think it's, um, it's that, you know, it's like, well, I've, somehow we're building trust, even though all we're doing is counting pushups, you know, uh, which is, um, it's fascinating. You know, it's, I love, well, yeah. there's,
2: a, there's an instant humility maker in there, right? Like, I think I'm cooler than the plague is, but when I go to work workout I and mean, he's smoking me, it's like, okay, well, I've got to take myself down a notch a little bit, right? And I think that's true. Like you come in with these notions of like, oh, this is kind of, uncool, cool. Or you've got some, some bullshit ego about yourself. And then when you come in and you're getting smoked or you're coming in and you're opening up or hearing other people open up, it really brings you down to a human level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's an element, you know, that, that we, can, we can be relevant to the spectrum of men because there are men who are very driven From a fitness standpoint, I mean, Plague Plague could go out and run miles and miles and miles around me. And I think, you know, you guys asked what's different about F3 Omaha is, is I do think there's an element of how much we emphasize picking up the six and by causing a guy like Plague who probably doesn't need F3 to be super fit. You've got enough self-discipline to go out and run from Elkhorn to Lincoln, you know, if by himself. But what happens to guys like him is they come in and they have to, rem- you know, they see the importance of not just being the guy out front, the Sugar Ray, but also picking up the six. And that also causes humility. Um, of, of realizing that it's not just about me and about me getting a great workout. Because, I mean, frankly, you can do that anywhere. You can go to a CrossFit gym or you can go to any type of gym and you're going to get a great workout if you're driven that way. But, but you're not going to be thinking about the guy who's struggling at the gym and how you're going to help that guy out.
1: Uh, you know, it's so funny. I, I, uh, I used to really care about being the fastest and, and all of that. And then, um, some faster guys joined the group and then I thought, well, that I can't do that anymore, you know? So that, so now, um, over time what I noticed for myself is my discipline to work out alone is actually decreased. Cause what I desire now is to be next to the guys in the gloom, you know? So like, uh, you know, it's interesting how I, I started out thinking, what I need to do to impress these guys is do it all and, you know, run far and fast and be, you know, be a certain way. And over time I realize I'm just, what I'm craving that kind of hole is the relationship, not necessarily the, all of the fitness metrics that used to be really important to me. You know, that's a good, good lead in wait time. Cause I, we use this term. Oh, a couple terms, right. High impact man, or, or that guy's really accelerating. Um, and I, I, I think um, there's different ways, right. That you can be a high impact man or that you can, can accelerate. But I I think, especially this week uh, with all of these different events, right. um, A guy who's accelerating or high impact man is not necessarily the guy that attends all the events or that does all the things or that, you know, so I want to get your thoughts. Like how do we keep encouraging guys to accelerate? Even if that, that, the version of acceleration for them is maybe fewer posts per week or, or what appears to be less engagement, but maybe just prioritization of other, other things. I don't know. What's your take on that? Ah,
0: yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I, I just think, um, first and foremost, you know, every guy, everybody's got to kind of run their own race, you know, and, and, um, you can be a high-impact man, man in many different ways, and I would discourage anybody from making it about how, you know, you, your, your um, path being based on somebody else's path, um, because, that you know, I mean, just you take the three of us, for example, we're in very different places in life. You know, um, my kids are you know, 26 and 16 and independent. And you guys have little kids and, you know, have to be thoughtful about what your kids' needs are. I have to be thoughtful about what my kids' needs are um, and be available and and, and live in such a way that, um, you know, we reflect all the values of F3, not just when we're doing a workout or we're supporting a third F event, but you know how we live our lives at home. And, and so, um, you know, you, you just have to kind of get up every day and try to be better today than you were yesterday with whatever path you're on and season you're in in your life, because what it looks like in your thirties is much different than what it looks like in your fifties. Like me,
2: as you're kind of just hitting on age real quick, I did want to get your thoughts on, you know, we have a broad makeup of different ages. I mean, I joined F3 when I was in my twenties, you know, you're, you've kind of eclipsed the respect group now and they're slowly making your way into the respect, respecting. How important do you think that, how important do you think that is? I mean, what does that give us as a group? Uh, you
0: know, I, I think it, It just puts you amongst a peer group of people that you can um, learn from, you know? And uh, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, now 70s, um, one, one I would say to you, like, particularly as you age and get older, there can be a tendency for people to look at you and say things like you know you should really stop doing that you know like like and and um you know nodos gave me the steinbeck book about uh, travels with charlie and there's a great line in there about how men have this tendency to get soft and infantile as they age because everybody around them is telling you're getting you're getting too old for this and, and I think it's important that you don't always listen to that. You know, like, like I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch, you know, you guys and, and even the respect guys that are, are part of F3 today and, and, and hopefully everyone stays locked into this community and see how, how people, how men live differently that are doing this. Um, because I tell you, when you get to your be my age and even in your 40s and you start going back to your high school class reunions and you start looking around and you can very quickly tell who's been living hard and who's been posting at F3. And um, and it, it happens rapidly when you start getting in your 40s and 50s. And so good on both of you uh, that you started this as young as you have and and, and help you make the right decisions now. That a lot of us that are in our respect age group wish we'd started
2: when we were your age. Well, and, and I think that's a a great reminder that yeah, we are doing hard things, and we aren't you know gonna get soft, I guess. But one thing that I I, I want you guys to know, and especially the respect group, um, and and uh, the respect respects, and those guys that as a young guy, as a hate guy that came in, or a guy in our 30s or 40s, you guys are providing the male leadership that we're looking for. I mean, I think Plague and I have had similar stories where my father wasn't super around. um, And so I was yearning for some male leadership, and this group provided that. And so I think it's great what you're hitting on. Like, yeah, there's a group of respect guys, or the 40 and 50 guys, fifty year old guys that are, hey, we're gonna go and we're gonna work out because we're gonna defy what society is telling us that we should be doing, but also don't want you guys to lose sight of what you guys are providing to the younger guys like us. so I just I thank you guys for that very much.
0: we well, the respect guys uh, I think if if they were all here, I'll speak on somewhat their behalf only because I've heard them say this is you know, we are, we're still trying to figure out life as well. Um, You know, it just so happens that we've been down some paths and then maybe at times made really poor decisions uh, that has given us some amount of wisdom that we can share and hopefully help other guys take a different path. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's really powerful, Tony, you know, because so much of, um, you know, like, like what it means to be a man can sometimes just be almost like a generational oral history. You know, We don't really know except what we've seen. And when you can get into a space of F3 where you see you know, being open to all men, you see all types of men who come to F3, and it opens your eyes to what is possible to be a man, not just what we learned from our fathers, you know, good and sometimes bad
1: you know um i I have a couple thoughts you, you were kind of talking a little bit there about doing hard things right and and so i'm I'm curious is because one of the recent uh, changes I've seen us make is we've maybe we haven't necessarily stopped doing hard things, but we've adjusted a tad for like a guy who's maybe a bruiser or you know so how how do we continue to support kind of that spectrum of of men? Do you feel like we're I guess maybe we're doing that now, or maybe there are other things we need to just consider. So we're not watering down uh, the, the mean, mean stride as it's called out in free to lead. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we're open to all men. And when
0: you study EH and a guy, you know, how many times you hear, well, I'll come out when I get in shape. You know, there's a belief because we're a workout group that you have to be super fit to be a part of us. and I really like the fact that we're we're expanding the way we do our workouts and offering a spectrum of options um you know for years, you know what the first three, four years, really probably four years, at least three years until Octagon came about, Mondays was about the Murph, and I love the Murph you know, and not everybody does and and you know, at times there were guys who just Monday became a, an off day because they didn't want to Murph. And you look what's happened with the Octagon and with Coronado, um, you just see a whole new group of men who post now on Monday um, consistently uh, who might not have been um, feeling like our workouts were accessible to them when we were just doing the Murph. So I think it's great that we can still keep doing the Murph, which is really tough. And we have options for guys who are who are injured or who are maybe just not at a place in their life where they're capable of doing a MRF and they can still be a part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. It's it like you said, it's part of our, our principles, right? To be open to all men and and offering uh, workouts that meet guys where they're at. Um I did finally think of my question to you, kind of segueing into maybe just your thoughts on on masculinity or or kind of the state of. Male community leadership, um, but I, I was thinking of a of another cot you you shared where because uh, I think perception right of ourselves and of others is really important in all of this. So you had shared a quote, and I don't know who this one's by, but it's it's kind of the I'm I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I I am who you think I think I am, or I I don't know exactly how it goes, but talk to us a little bit about just what are you seeing as a, as a man in your fifties. And just as you look at the state of, of men in our community, what, what gaps do you see? What things should we be uh, kind of focused on?
0: Yeah, boy. You know, it, it, it's really interesting to me that it, you know, just that question can be such a lightning rod. Uh, Uh, debate and you know I I, I guess I hope that um, that any conversation about what it means to be a man or to be masculine is kind of a conversation of abundance and what I mean by that is that I think at times where people get really critical of what it means to be a man the reason they do that is because they believe it's at the cost of others. You know, that it's, it's kind of for selfish reasons. Um, you know, the book, Iron John, which is a great book. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read it. It's, it's, it's dense, it's not an easy read, to be honest. He writes about men and he, he, he talks about the difference between being a wild man and a savage man. And, and that there is a, a nature among men that we, are a, we want to be a wild man. You know, we want to be somebody who has a certain wildness about us and a, and a bit of adventure, boldness, uh, which I think we should very much embrace. And that's different than being a savage man, where there's a nature of a savage man who it's for self selfish reasons that you pursue those things and I think you know we have had a history where there's been plenty of savage men that gave masculinity a bad name and you know I I think that you can still appeal to the nature of a man just as you can appeal to the nature of a a woman uh, and doing in an abundant way that honors everyone Um, it would be the
1: way I describe it Man, that sounds a little bit, reminds me of the reacher concept in, uh, in free to lead that, um, you know, I I was talking with uh, grills earlier this week and for some reason it's that reacher concept that, that distracts me from my concentrica a lot, right? It's it's this Mm -hmm. false illusion that there's some, you know, fantasy world where I have no responsibilities. um, It just couldn't be further from the truth, but man, wait time. Um, You know, hopefully, you know I've heard rumors uh, about a future book, so guys should check that out. Uh, If if Wait Time drops a book, uh, expect expect the sales to go through the roof. But um, Mm -hmm. I do want to get kind of lighten the the mood a little bit with maybe some uh, some of your your fun. Uh, stories. I don't know if you would share. I think the first time you did the the bridge of hate, uh, there's maybe some fun stories there. Just uh, oh, yeah. to remind guys that amidst all the seriousness and and trying to reinvigorate male community leadership, I think there's there's been a lot of fun uh, that's occurred to build relationships. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
0: you know, we're not doing it right if we're not laughing at ourselves a little bit. And um, you know, there there have been a lot of great moments. I, if you have a chance on Twitter. Um, take a look. I posted the first name today, which is maybe one of the most awkward two and a half minutes in F three Omaha history. Um, watching guys feel really uncomfortable about nicknames and um, being on camera and everything else. It's really it's hilarious. Um, I I still watch Nodos do the side eye. I can see out of the office and I laugh out loud. Um, uh, I, I think about bridge of hate, you know you, you mentioned it, you know we did that that first year um, where we laid on the ground and um, you you actually lift kind of uh, crowd surf guys across the, a line of men um, and you know what I remember about that a little bit is is we started it and immediately struggled because we'd never done it before and I was in the Q that day, and I was almost ready to call Omaha and give up, and, but the pack rallied and said, no, you know, we're going to get this right, and I think it was Selleck or somebody said, you know, we got to form a zipper, and we got to kind of overlap ourselves, and then we can lift the guys and get them by, and, and uh, if you ever watch that video, you know, we, we embraced our names so much, you had Honey Stinger that we were pushing him by, and, somebody's saying, you know, watch the stinger, watch the stinger. And um, um, it's just, uh, you know, doing those types of things in the morning, whether it be playing April Fool's jokes, which, we you know, Mufasa and, um, and Gator are quite known for today. Uh, our man Ponzi was uh, years before that. Um, they seem, you know, Mufasa and Gator seem to be carrying the torch a little bit there with these new personas and everything else. Um, you know, you just got to have fun in the Glen, and I—I um, I, I have so many stories I could share. Gosh, I, that's probably a whole nother podcast.
1: We are still oh, looking for the. We appreciate. Uh, we're <laughs> we're just we're looking for the roster info for uh, a new new PAX by the name of Virginia Slim. I think I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he showed he showed up, and we got an email, but no phone number for. Him. No, man I tell awesome.
2: you, yeah and,
0: and and a pack of cigarettes to go too when he's
2: there fabulous. <laughs> well you know we're we're here on on five years I want to get your take on you know some of your proudest things what are you most proud of of you know the group as a whole what you what you've seen in terms of growth, you know maybe your own personal development what are you, what do we see yeah,
0: you know I think a couple of things i'm i'm Proud of, um, you know, the, the best decision I made in five years was when I saw the next Nantan in Tater Tot. And, you know, that guy doesn't, doesn't get enough credit. You know, I, I was the dancing idiot at that, at that um, music festival. And Tater Tot became the owner and organizer of the festival (laughs) there's a difference the scale at which uh tater tot operates and the enthusiasm and the values that he has he exhibits in doing it with such um just such love for the packs you know he was he was exactly the right guy we needed uh to take this to the next level and And you know, I could just go down the line um, with what you guys are doing with this podcast and how you help people be seen and tell their story. I, you know, I, I am probably your most active listener. I've never missed one of your podcasts. Sometimes I listen to them multiple times and I always learn something about guys I think that I've known for five years. And so thank you for what you're doing. But, but I just, it's really nice to see all these different men um, over the past five years who step up into leadership in different ways. And now that we're into um, our region being divided into sectors, you know, it just calls upon more and more men to make this happen every day. And and the capacity that each man has to have in his life. Um, to lead an F3, to coach his kids in sports, to, to make the M the center of his life, you know, I don't take that lightly. And, you know, guys, you, you guys and, and Tater Todd and many others who've led, you know, devote countless hours to making this all happen. And, you know, it it looks effortless, but, but it also consumes an incredible amount of time. So, I say all that is it, just some amount of just gratitude, more than what I'm proud of, Tony, and and gratitude of seeing what guys have done uh, to make this thing like a living, breathing organism.
2: I love that. I, I really do. I guess then a follow-up to that would be, as we're going into our next five, ten, however many years, this thing can keep surviving as a living organism. What is, you know, one or a couple of things that you just Feel like it's imperative that we keep in mind as an organization or a call to action if you will
0: yeah well you know I think um, one is is other regions that are a little bit older than ours will tell you that kind of year four or five sometimes there can be a bit of a, of a, a slumber that hits a region you know they you lose guys because they've cycled through all the, the levels of leadership, at least in their mind, and they think, okay, now what? There's not really anything for me to step into, and we've seen that in Omaha. So after a guy becomes a side cue and steps away from it, you know, they still want to find a way to engage. And, and so I think the, 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 the possibilities are endless for f 3 Omaha, as we've seen over the last five years. and I think it's important that, that we maintain our culture, that no matter how big we get, if we become a hundred AOs, that we still have that welcoming spirit and that culture that we're known for. And by doing so, we ensure that the guys still feel there's a place for them to lead and there's a place for them and that they just don't move on to something else because, they kind of think, well, I've been there and done that for us to keep this thing going and breathing. It's going to take everybody. And, and, and that means guys that were psych used four years ago and, or guys that are taking a shovel pass tomorrow, like Kobasa.
1: Man, I love that. And, and maybe we should do a regular, you know, reflections with wait time episode because you, you have a lot of great insight and, and a lot of good stories. I am curious just for, for this week, you know, we may have some listeners that are looking to get, you know, maybe their autographed, copy of free to lead, you know, signed by the OG wait, wait time, Nantan. Uh, where, where are you, uh, where are you going to be this week? Do you know any second half events? I know you're leading at the woodshed on Friday, but where, where can we find? Yeah. You?
0: yeah I think I'm uh, leading on the woodshed Friday. That'll be fun. Tater tot and I are going to have a little fun there. Um, Thursday, I may be helping out a little bit. We're, we're kind of uh, tag teaming the maze on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night, I, I think I'm going to try to get to the old horse track, which is, uh, was our evening AO for about a year, year and four months. Uh, at Stinson Park, a little workout, then happy hour, which is a lot of fun. TC and Cyclone are going to be, I think Waffle House going to be involved there. Um, and, you know, tomorrow's uh, both a shovel pass at the Trident. I'm, I'm feeling a little pulled because I want to support some of our Redwoods. Um, tonight's show will be at um, Cornhusker, but I also may consider trying to get to that Trident shovel pass because that'll be a special day as well. So a lot of great things. And, and as you said, I would, I would look for the lunches and look for those happy hours uh, because the second half is where it's all at.
1: Yeah, Awesome. Any other uh, thoughts as we're thinking about five year anything, you know, if, if you want guys to take away one, one thing from this week, could you nail it down to one or just have fun, you yeah. know,
0: um, Saturday is, is not really about a brutal beat down. It is about uh, the camaraderie in the second half and use this as a week to have fun. Tell, tell your favorite F3 stories, uh, laugh a lot in the, in the, in the workouts and and just soak it all in because we're coming in the best time of year in Omaha you know spring and summer in Omaha this is where it really gets fun you know hopefully we're going to begin to be putting away our winter gear Um, although it seems like this week it might we're going to have all four seasons I think this week alone (laughs) Um, so just
1: enjoy it I, I, I that's what I want everybody to do Awesome. Well, I, I love that and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you out there in the gloom. Let's do a little name I rama Sound good? Sure. Yep. All right. Brandon Fleary, 37. The Plague?
2: The Plague. I'm John Lutler, 31. Pony Express. Pony.
1: Hey. Uh, Chad Brough, 51. Wait time. Wait time. Respect, Wait time. man. Respect. Nice to hear after your name. Hey, appreciate you, brother. Yeah, thank you so much, both you guys. I really appreciate you doing this, this podcast. It,
0: it means a lot to the packs. Love it. Have a good rest thank of your week.